Let's bow our heads and speak to that same God who is absolutely solid and sound, present here with us. Lord, thank you that your love is never changing. So thank you for your presence here with us. And your love for each one of us personally. Move amongst us, Lord Jesus. You know our hearts. You know our needs even before we think of them ourselves. We'll call out to you in prayer. So right now, Lord, I would ask that you take my lips and speak through them. That you would take our minds and think through them. That you would take our wills and bend them to your own. And that you would take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Well, to address the subject, the power of a personal invitation. I'm very grateful for the invitation to come and preach here this morning. Outside of that invitation, I would not be here. Some of you have been invited to worship here, and outside of that inv invitation, whether it's just this morning or over the years, outside of the invitation, you would not be here. And as I go back over my life, it's amazing the power, the influence, the ongoing influence, even to this day, of invitations that I've received. For instance, uh, when I began going to church in London, England, Billy Graham came to London to preach. I knew he was coming to preach because they plastered advertising all over London. You could not miss the fact that this American preacher, young chap at the time, was going to be speaking at a sports arena in London. But I had no intention of going. I was barely going to church. But on my way out of church, the senior pastor said to me one Sunday, we're going to hear Billy Graham this week. Will you come with us? That invitation absolutely, top to bottom, changed my life. Simple invitation. We're going to hear Billy Graham. Will you come with us? So simple. So ordinary. But so absolutely life-changing for me. Billy Graham made an invitation that evening 
when I went to hear him. Unlike anything I'd ever experienced, not that I'd experienced that much. But at the end of the service, you know how Billy Graham does things, you've seen it on television, if you haven't been to one of his crusades. He preaches. And he preached powerfully. And he had my attention. I was riveted. Way at the back in a 15,000 seat sports arena. At the close of his comments, he said, I'm going to invite you to come forward if you want this Jesus in your life. I thought he had to be joking. Nobody would stand up in front of all those people and walk to the front. Who would do that? I thought this is American hard sell. And when nobody moves, he has sort of lessened the need for whatever response just to get you to follow along. But he meant it. He said, the choir is going to sing. I invite you to come and stand at the front of this arena. Second verse. Just as I am without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I was training to be an engineer at the time, and I said to the chap next to me, I said, I don't know about you, Rich, but I'm going forward. He said, I'll come with you. And the two of us went to the front. But that invitation nailed the growing faith that I had going on in my life. I was convinced that I was screwed up. Nobody had really to say much about that. But to be convinced that God loved me enough to send his son Jesus to die for me personally was extraordinary. And that I could invite Jesus personally to come into my life. That's a big invitation. And that somehow publicly I needed to demonstrate that what I believed in my heart was real. And however that was communicated, we're going back a few years now, I remember knowing that in walking forward, I didn't know it ahead of time, but as I walked forward, I became absolutely certain in my heart that I belong to Jesus. I actually left that arena dancing down the street for the first time in my life, feeling clean on the inside. So now we're up to two invitations. Along the way, I went into the ministry and got an invitation to come to the USA and preach. I accepted the invitation. And one thing led to another. And I'm still here. I got an invitation to go and speak early on out in Colorado at a ranch belonging to the Young Life organization, working with young people. And I accepted the invitation. Do you know how powerful that invitation was? First night, dining room, round table, I'm sitting down, and this girl came in looking like she was in high school. 
to sit down on the other side of that table and immediately she had my attention. Back in those days, and I think it's happening again, she actually had a hairpiece on the top of her head, same color as her hair, a bun. But her bun was off-center. She rushed because she was late for dinner. But it wasn't (laughs) her hairstyle that got my attention. She's now my wife. 46 years this year. We are taking up an offering at the end of this service so that we can go on another honeymoon. Not really. You see how powerful an invitation is? It's astounding. And they're often just simple invitations. I ran into a man by the name of Reed Carpenter who was running Young Life in Pittsburgh. Kathy and I had been married maybe a year, and he invited me to Pittsburgh to come and see what was going on here with the idea that I might come and work in Pittsburgh. Kathy and I were living in Philadelphia. So we came on over. And we joined ourselves to a vision then to make Pittsburgh as famous for God as it was for steel. Simple invitation. We've been here 45 years of our 46 years of marriage. We never left. Just an invitation. But I mentioned early on in these comments that it was the invitation of Jesus himself to come into my life that transformed the essence of who I am and my destiny, not just here on earth, but to know for sure that heaven is my home when I die. I want you to look with me in in your service sheet at page 6. Because we're going to be looking at an invitation, or two, or three, by Jesus. So page six in your service sheet. Verse 28, right in the middle of that page. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now that's where we're going to spend the balance balance of our time. Understanding that Jesus really is present, alive here, and saying to each one of us, To come to him. Not just to come to church. Though that's a big invitation, as I've explained. But to come to him. He is present here. And as we prayed earlier on, he knows who we are. Knows what we're dealing with. And he invites us to come to him. 
And the extraordinary thing about this invitation is that he's not looking for powerful people and wonderful people who've got their act together who he he can put to work for himself. In fact, if you go to the opening two verses, look at what it says. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. That God wanted to reveal himself not to the high and mighty, not to the arrogant, well-trained, educated leaders, but to children, people of childlike approach to God, of simple trust. And that statement that this father was your good pleasure, that almighty God, who is almighty, as it says here, Lord of heaven and earth, big time, I mean immense, isn't looking for other People who think they are immense. But he's looking for the little people. And it's your good pleasure, Father, said Jesus, that it's that way. This isn't my idea, Father, it's your idea. I'm here on your mission. And so when I say, as he goes on to say, come to me, who's he saying it to? Leadership elites, people of immense wealth, people who've got servants to send to whatever corner of the house or the farm to do their bidding? No. To those who are burdened, heavy laden, weary, worn, and feeling absolutely overloaded with the circumstances of their lives or the people around them. Burdened. It's to such that Jesus says, you, you, come to me. You may consider yourself insignificant and your problems You don't even share them with others. But you know what your problems are. And you know the way they're weighing on you and burdening you. Come to me with them. I'll give you rest. I'll lift those burdens, in other words. You won't be carrying them on your own. Come to me. What an invitation to ordinary people just like you. So what's your burden? In simple terms, I categorize burdens under three headings. One, sin. You've screwed up. Maybe your marriage, maybe your relationship with your kids, Certainly your relationship with God. Maybe that's why you're in church this morning. And you know that you have blown it big time. 
You are carrying like a ball and chain around your ankle whatever miserable failure of your life from your past. And it conditions everything you are, even as you're sitting here in church. That's a burden. And most of the narcotics that we get into, much of the counseling that people seek, much of the breakdown of marriage, relationships, education, family, has to do with one simple but massive concept that's sin. And the burden of it, and the failure of it, Second kind of burden may be simple failure because of the economics of the situation in your life. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you've been looking and nobody wants to hire you. And you feel a failure. Maybe you're a single mom or dad. You failed in your marriage. You feel a failure. Your kids aren't what you expected them to be. You feel a failure. You've been in some church previous to this one. Got into a fight with the pastor or people in the church. And you left. You said, I'm done with that. But as you sit here this morning, back in church again, you feel the failure. I were to ask you, do you feel like you have failed anywhere, anytime, in such a consequential way that you can nail it in your mind even as I say it? If I were to ask you to stand, I'm not going to do that. Relax. But I would guarantee you, all of you would stand. Because none of you is perfect. Not one of you. If you are, you come and see me afterwards and tell me how you make it. I know you're not. And the Father knows you're not. And Jesus welcomes you with the burden of that failure. And then loss. Loss is so painful. To lose something that you can never get back. When kids lose their virginity, they can never get it back. When you are unfaithful in your marriage, what do you do? How You've lost the integrity of your relationship to your husband or wife. When you are dabbling in stuff that you know you shouldn't be into, pornography is such an immense problem for most men. And now the younger generation who with their iPhones and iPads and everything else can go just about anywhere and get all kinds of information and some of it's sordid and perverted. And there's a loss of innocence. And it breaks your heart for your children. 
Maybe you're breaking your own heart. It's a loss. Maybe you've lost a fortune. I've seen men and women do that. Lost your health. Lost a good friend. And it's on your back. Jesus said, come to me, all of you, who are thus burdened. Come to me, and I will give you rest. And then he describes what happens when we come to him. It's similarly an invitation. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now that's a lesson from the agricultural world in which Jesus lived. Because oxen were yoked together so that they could move together, and whether they were bearing, pulling a load together, or just plowing together, oxen, beasts of burden, yoked together, pulled together. Jesus said, you can be yoked to me. Take my yoke. It's not your yoke. It's his. You take my yoke upon you. You put your neck in with me into that yoke. And let me ask you as you're listening to me, when that happens, who do you think is pulling the load? And the way Jesus lifts our burdens as we come to him is to step into that scene with us, yoke himself to us, so that as he moves, we can move with him. And the load that we're carrying is now on his back as well as ours. What an invitation. Do you know anybody else who would do that for you? Have you ever asked anybody to help you? I mean, big-time help? Do you know if there's anybody in your life who cares that much about you to say, I'll step into that mess with you, and I will see you out of it. I'll get you through it. If you can name one other person who will line up with you and take on that weight with you, you are a very fortunate person. Husbands and wives let each other down. And you would think they would be absolutely yoked together. And often it's the pain of a problem and a burden that rather than having them pull together, has them fighting each other. When a child with some great sickness comes into the family, born into the family, the child of the mom and the dad, but is a special needs child, 85% of marriages end in divorce when that happens. And instead of the husband and the wife pulling together, 
One of them bails out. Doesn't want to deal with it anymore. Their child. They want out. Do you believe me? 85%. So whatever the problem, it's problems whether financial, health, relationships, family, careers, that ruins a husband-wife relationship when you would absolutely think that those two would be yoked together, they've made that promise, and they will pull together. And they don't. They end that relationship. Who do you know who cares about you enough to step into your mess and your muddles, and they are not his? And it's Jesus who steps in with you. And then he gives one other comment by way of, I'm describing it as an invitation, to learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So he's now going to not only bear the burden with you, but restructure your life. Make things different for you as you learn from him. Because you're yoked to him. In simple terms, Jesus came knocking at the door of my life. I opened the door, and he came in. And my life was transformed. That's the heart of the Christian faith. And then along the way, as we have been yoked together, he has been bearing burdens that I could never bear, seeing me through muddles that I could never sort out teaching me, training me, grooving me, regrooving me. And that's still going on. To learn from him. To learn how to love. My wife and I just read through, incidentally, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 yesterday. The magnificent poetic, powerful statement about what love is. It's not proud. It's not arrogant. It doesn't boast. It keeps no record of wrongs. It describes what love is, believes all things, trusts all things, bears all things. Jesus, the great lover of your soul, as you step into that yoke with him, in response to his saying, come to me, changes who you are in your capacity to love. In how you live. Growing up, I was in a very unhappy family. It led to my dad committing suicide, my mother marrying again, and that ending in divorce. And it was a miserable fight all the way to the divorce court. By then I was in my 20s. And one thing I knew, for instance, 
that the home I was going to build would be nothing like the one I came out of. I didn't know what it was going to be, but I knew it what it wasn't going to be. And I began to watch how people who knew the Lord lived together. And as I read the Scriptures and understood what God wanted of me, so God began to prepare me to be a husband and a father. And then when I got married, I really got some training on how to be a husband. And then the kids came along on how to be a father. And I'm still learning. I know some of you think I must be the most delightful and perfect husband. My wife's sitting out here and she will vouch for it that I am not. Nearly. And you know that's not true. Learn from me how to live your life, how to love, and then how to lead. There's a big movement over the last 25 years about leading like Jesus, servant leadership. An extraordinary thing that Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, the only ruler of princes, washed his disciples' feet, had time for the brokenhearted and the lowly, he said to the little children, come to me. Forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. He had time for the little people. To be able to care for and love as he loved, so that you can lead as he lead. All of us have leadership influence. One place or another, we have leadership influence. There may be no title associated with it, but that leadership is so extraordinary for the people that you can influence. So Jesus says, come to me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. The great thing about his yoke, when it says that it's easy, it really means it fits. He fits his yoke to you and then retrains you. So it's not like you're wearing, carrying something so unwieldy and uncomfortable. He fits it to you so that he can lead you. Let's bow our heads and pray together right now. See Jesus coming right to where you are sitting. You may never have actually even surrendered your life to him. And this morning, 
I invite you to ask this Lord Jesus to come into your life. Settle that relationship. In a congregation this size, for sure, one of you has not settled that relationship. Turn your eyes toward Jesus right now and ask him to come in. Simply say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you care for me, that you died for me, that you want to come and dwell in me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Fill me with yourself. Drive out the darkness, the painful memories of the past. Heal them. Fill me with yourself, Lord Jesus. Take possession of me. Does others of you have been wearing that yoke for years and years? You know that you love Jesus, but you've got issues in your life that you need Him to lift, for Him to stand in the gap with you. For him to carry your burden, your care. And the scripture encourages us to cast all our care upon him, knowing that he cares for us. Do it right now. As you're bowed with that load, sense that he lifts it from you. Lord Jesus, thank you for meeting us this morning. Thank you for these wonderful invitations to us, lowly, ordinary people. As we go from here, lighten our way. Lighten our load. Lighten our step. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that earnestly and tenderly you are calling to each of us. Let's stand and sing that hymn together.